Hey guys, Jeff here from besttechie.com and this is Techie Bytes episode 7. Today I'm going to be speaking with Alexandra Matheson, the founder and creative director at Westward Creative. She's a branding and marketing expert who's worked with companies like Microsoft, Amazon, and USA Today, and actually so many more. Enjoy. I'm here with Alexandra Matheson. She is the founder of a creative firm uh, and based in Seattle, Washington. It's a called the creative firm's called Westward Creative. She's been in the space for quite a while doing brand development among other things, but she's been running this firm for about three years now. Um, and I just want to say welcome, Alexandra. Thanks for being on uh, Techie Bytes podcast with me. Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate you asking me to speak today, and I'm looking forward to the conversation. Awesome. Me too. I'm excited. I think, you know, I, I'm I'm hugely into into to marketing and branding and content development and all you know a lot of different things, uh, including social, obviously too. But you're clearly more expert than I am <laughs> when it comes to this <laughs> stuff. Um, but I, I'd love to just kind of get you know a background in terms of who you are, how you got into this space, and uh, a little bit more about how long you've been doing it. Excellent. Um, would you like me to share the, the synopsis? <laughs> yeah, sure. That, that we can go with that, the synopsis. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Let's start. <laughs> Let's go way back, back, back in time uh, when I was probably about five years old. Uh, living in Juanita, Washington, which is a small city outside of the Seattle area. Um, mm -hmm. At that point in time, even then, I realized the power of brand. And my father had this wood workshop in his garage. And some of the clippings would be these, like the ends of two by fours. And I had an idea one day that I was going to collect 10, 12 of these two by four clippings. Again, just the very end clipped from the board. And I was going mm -hmm. to turn them into tangible business cards. Like I loved the idea that these small wood blocks would differentiate among all other business cards I'd previously encountered. And I did, I took out my Crayola markers and I sloppily created you know, 10 different <laughs> wood, wood chip business cards. And I handed them out to people over the course of the next couple of weeks. And, and in that process, I decided I was also going to create an organization. Um, it was called embarrassingly sweet petite. I have no idea <laughs> why this seemed appropriate outside of its clear rhyme. So there you go. Um, that's where it all started. And I've been in brand development and marketing now for about 10 years time. Um, I went to the University of Washington and studied English literature, um, where I graduated with cum laude baccalaureate honors. This is maybe the only time I'll ever be able to say that. So please just give me this moment. <laughs> uh, it turns out, it turns out people, have no fucks, people have no fucks to give for how well you <laughs> did in school. Um, but, that is that yeah. is that is most certainly true. Yeah, which is sad because I, I actually think uh, when somebody is dedicated enough to command like a high high grades in any curricula, um, it demonstrates dedication and resilience. And I think those are characteristics that businesses should seek. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely I, agree with that. I also think that 
you know, just kind of piggybacking on that, one of the key, you know, uh, things about getting a, a degree um, is that it shows that you have, uh, you know, the ability to see something through to the end. Yes. Um, especially if, uh, especially, you know, especially if you, if you showed that you were able to uh, get good grades throughout the entire uh, time that you were in school. I definitely think there's something to that. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if enough people put enough emphasis on that, but certainly, uh, certainly something that, that, that is clearly, uh, you know, a, a factor in terms of, you know, I think whenever I'm looking at people uh, to work with, uh, you know, just to show that they have dedication at the very least uh, <laughs> to, uh, to getting things done and seeing things through. It's interesting because I've always seen somebody's grade markings as checkpoints and accountability. You know, most people can get a degree and perhaps with, you know, subpar grades. But to receive high markings throughout an academic career demonstrates an understanding of accountability throughout. And that is something that is so important. No matter what industry you're in, um, accountability and and authenticity, which actually brings us beautifully back to brand development and marketing. Um, I know in the prompts you'd provided me, you sort of asked at a high level, what, what is one of the most important things behind a brand campaign or a marketing campaign? And as yeah, simple absolutely. as it is, authenticity. That is where we are right now. The, to present something that feels and is real is a really beautiful thing. And more importantly, it's a rarity these days. And so I think if you can help an individual or an organization identify authentic points of being and convey those externally, that's a win. Right. I, 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 I would wholeheartedly agree with that. I was wondering, you know, I would love to dive into this a little bit deeper with you and kind of get like some examples that, you know, from your work or that you've seen uh, that really stood out to you in terms of bringing that authenticity to the table and making it, you know, front and center uh, in terms of, you know, developing a brand. Absolutely. I can actually speak to work I did this morning um, on behalf of awesome. Veritas, <laughs> <laughs> on behalf of Veritas Technologies. Um, I've now been working with Veritas for coming up on two years and Several months ago, we identified an opportunity to highlight some of the incredible work being done by the company in support of one of its benefits it offers to employees. Believe it or not, Veritas offers every employee um, 40 hours of paid volunteer work per annum. So every year, Veritas employees, mm -hmm. full-time employees can dedicate 40 hours of work on behalf of the company to a volunteering effort of their choice. But in addition to this, the company has fostered what they call employee resource groups, one of them being Women at Veritas Empowered or WAVE. And this morning, I had the opportunity to speak with a collection of employees um, in promotion of yesterday's International Women's Day and in promotion of the Veritas WAVE Employee Resource Group uh, speaking to some of the work they're doing to embolden the female voices at the company. Uh, yesterday, they had a cloud-focused panel discussion where they brought in female representatives from across the organization. And um, 
that's like a great example of authenticity at a company. Believe it or not, the company before we we highlighted this, um, these efforts were not really being conveyed outside the organization. And yet it's incredible work and it speaks to the things that drive the individual employees at the company. And that's that's when you really get to the heart of something authentic. The thing at the close of the day that any employee looks back to and feels a sense of personal and professional pride in response to that effort. That is authenticity. Um, mm-hmm. And I think uh, absolutely. often those are the more human aspects of the work we do. You know, there's always the upkeep, the day-to-day efforts that we must we must do to support an organization. And those can be um, incredibly enjoyable as well. But then there are those points of interaction, those human touch points every day. And when we can find an opportunity to embolden those, um, I think that's, that's when you see an opportunity to represent, showcase a brand in a way that is true. Right. And I think oftentimes, like you mentioned, people get so caught up in the day to day kind of minutiae of it all and just, you know, that stuff kind of oftentimes just gets overlooked. Um, yeah. And it shouldn't be because because it's it's so it's so valuable and so important to the underlying, you know, company. The people there obviously are are, you know, are who make up that organization. And, you know, they're doing all these great things. They should definitely be showcased um, yeah. and and just. And just, you know, and, and, and I think it's also a great way to get people who may not be aware. You know, sometimes you, you join a company, you don't always look at all the benefits and things that you actually have the ability to do. Um, you know, and bringing, I think, just bringing that, that, that awareness up within the organization itself and the authentic, authenticity that's um, in, that, in, that, in, that, in that aspect of it, as opposed to just, you know, the outside kind of brand message that you're, you're trying to get across to uh, the world about you know, what this company is doing and what's so great, which is, which is obviously important, but internally it's also important too, I think. Absolutely. And this sort of touches on a really interesting point I come up against often. Um, you know, we, because most efforts on behalf of any medium to large organization must be replicable and they must scale. Um, No matter what you're doing, whether you're doing brand development, administration work, uh, engineering, anything really, it must be replicable and it must scale um, because you're touching many different people and sometimes in many different regions. And again, that replicability and scalability is important to do something consistently. Um, And consistency is really important at most organizations, um, especially when you're delivering on a product or service in which consistency is really a huge part of how you make a sale and command brand loyalty. But something I try to remind customers of clients of Westward Creative is that sometimes those sort of unwieldy, organic human moments are what truly make an organization. Yes, there are the visual standards of a company, and those are very important. You have to have something to align to always in an outward-facing effort. You want people to be able to see 
your iconography, for example, the iconography of your logo and associate that with your company. But sometimes, again, it's those organic, somewhat inexplicable efforts that are human efforts ongoing at an organization, whether that be something like the Women at Veritas Empowered Group at Veritas Technologies or a blood drive that a company is doing. Those are the things that inspire human awareness and engagement with a brand. It's not the day-to-day brand touch points seen on a social channel. It's the demonstration that a company is in fact composed of people. Right. I think, and I I think, you know, um, prior to, I don't know, I guess somewhat past few years, um, I think social media to an extent uh, has sort of brought back that human side to companies. I think for a while it was lost in that buttoned up corporate culture, you know, uh, you know, the company is is not a human really there's you know it's just a bunch of people you never see or you know there's no personality behind it uh i think that's kind of you know recently i think that's changed um I agree. and you talk a lot about how the you know about branding and and making it a very human human experience um how how, how do you go about making you know we talked just before about the Ver, with the veritas stuff about you know uh picking, you know, particular uh, things to highlight and showcase within the organization uh, to the outside world, uh, which kind of gives a company more, uh, more of a personality, more of a more, more of an intimate kind of uh, feel. Um, What other, what other types of things can you do to kind of, to make that connection between a brand and and a human and, and make it a positive experience? For me, beautifully, and the people with whom I work, it's a matter of connecting. Most of my work is spent getting to know the people who are part of an organization, understanding the things that are their interests and needs day to day in their job. What are the different touch points they must address every day? How many meetings do they have every day? How many emails? do they send? I want to know that the communications I have with them feel fluid and rich versus yet another, you know, point in a mass of communications. And part of that is like, I, I need to connect with people to understand the things that drive them. I must connect and I must connect with them because that is the best and really only way for me to understand how it is what they do at an organization ultimately speaks to the organization's products and services and perhaps more importantly, the broad overarching persona of that organization because that's where a company differentiates in being unique, in being individualized among a greater whole. I think at one point, perhaps at the inception of social platforms, we saw many organizations, many companies pursuing a traditional advertising model where they would create Mm -hmm. a collection of on-brand graphics and messages and they would populate social channels with those. And we still see those. And there is some value in that approach too, no doubt. That will continue to function. More importantly, 
social media channels offer companies the opportunity to, again, display the organic humanity of their people. The fact that mm -hmm. an organization is made up of a collective of individuals, not just a brand message or a collection of you know, visual standards. It's people. And <laughs> right. that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. No, I, I think I think you hit the nail on the head with that. I think like I like I like I was alluding to you before where, you know, in the past, you know, definitely throughout the eighties and nineties you had this very buttoned up uh, feel for companies where, like I said, it really you know, there wasn't there was no there was no personality behind the brand. It was just it just it this is what you this is what this is what you you would expect when you saw a particular brand and that was that was that um you know and and there really was no again personality behind it like you see tweets like there are companies out there that, are, that do a really great job i think with um kind of ma managing their brand but also at the same time being human about it uh jet blue for example i think does a pretty good job of that especially on social um it's just one example uh but definitely yeah. you know i think I, yeah I think part of what you're speaking to is the ability of an organization to be relevant because perhaps in our traditional approach to brand development and marketing, there was a standard and we very infrequently strayed from that standard. And, and perhaps there was even fear in that, as in the value was in the fact that it was so solid and recognizable and that value still exists. There are brands that benefit from that immensely, like Nike, for example, has, or, mm -hmm. or Apple, you know, we, we could probably list off 10 varying bullet points that attend to those brands. They have a solidity that is admirable in across industries, really. Um, and at a global scale, it's, it's both very impressive brand teams. But then there is something like the campaigns you might see out of JetBlue, as you noted, or Oreo, for example, right. um, where the <laughs> they, they, they are able to be immediately relevant in a way that inspires delight. And it's interesting to think about that effort from a psychological perspective, what it is for somebody, any Twitter user, for example, to open the application and see a post by a company like Oreo and see that Oreo is in that moment addressing something that occurred or, and was acknowledged across the nation 15 minutes ago. And it's something funny and it's something on brand. And in a way, it allows a company or a brand to be a part of our everyday existence in a way that is really unique. And again, like it's delightful how much joy that brings people. As silly as that may seem, it really, there is something for many people in connecting with an organization like that, that feels special. And I think we're still sort of trying to understand the bounds of that. And I, again, more importantly, uh, I don't think every company has a seat at that table. I think that there are some organizations that can comfortably play in that space and others that should not. Um, you know, some products yeah. and services are uh, everyday products and others are not. And, and so it's, it's also interesting to watch organizations try to determine where they reside in that scale. It's a fascinating right. issue. 
No, you certainly bring up an interesting point there. Like, you, you wouldn't expect to see, like, the Goldman Sachs Twitter account <laughs> no. doing things like that. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. But... Uh, that would but... that would be completely off-brand. Um, and, and, and while maybe entertaining, depending on whatever, what, 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 you know, what was tweeted, but I, I don't think, you know, that's just, that's not the messaging that they, that you would expect from them and that, uh, that would make sense, I think, for them. It's interesting though, to, um, identify the points in which a company like Goldman Sachs can appeal to those audiences. So... You know, social channels aside, you're really looking at a specific audience, probably uh, in a cliche reference, the millennial audience, for example, the millennial generation. Um, what are those 18 to 34-year-old individuals doing? And if you cannot address them through a social platform like Twitter, like Goldman Sachs may not be able to do in a way that feels particularly appropriate, how can they improve their relationships with the millennial generation and and that again like from a brand development and marketing perspective is an exciting thing to think about how can goldman sachs be authentic to those people and right uh, the primary the primary question should always be um you know why why what would be the benefit of of their attending to that generation uh so identifying the driving points but then how can they be authentic it's an exciting conundrum and um, one in which it actually brings us to a lovely point, which is sometimes providing an exemplary user experience um, is the best possible way a company can excel in brand, in commanding brand loyalty. It's just providing better products and services. So they don't need to produce and promote a brand um, campaign, for example, uh, and, a, and a marketing right. I think you see that with Apple. For, yes. Uh, as an example. Yeah. Yeah. Like some companies, they don't really need to tell you they're doing well. They just need to invest in research and development to do something really well. Right. No, I, I agree with that. You know, and I, and I was thinking when you were talking about Goldman Sachs, just about, you know, uh, wanting to be authentic and, and get get their their brand and their message in front of millennials in a way that makes sense. Um you know, eventually, you know, there's going to be millennials, if, if there are not already, who want to, you know, invest their money. If they if they have a ton of money, they want to invest it. And Goldman Sachs is going to want to be, you know, they're that's that they're going to want to they want to they're going to want to be there. You know, they're going to want to be have them as the client. Well, and to um, my point, to my point, <laughs> what could be really interesting is that perhaps Goldman, Goldman Sachs acknowledges in time that the millennial generation has not amassed large sums of money in, or has not amassed uh, financial solidity in the way that prior generations have. Maybe it looks different, the, the construct of that mm -hmm. is different. And so they address that in a product offering, a service offering that um, attends to the interests and needs of that audience in an authentic way, in a way that right. inspires delight among those aged 18 to 34. And that, mm -hmm. That is where a brand wins, when they can, instead of saying, how is this audience going to attend to our standard, sometimes the more beautiful question is to ask, how do we amend our approach and present an offering 
that truly addresses the interests and needs of these people. And that, again, it brings like us back that. to being, uh, yeah, to, it brings us back to being authentic and human, um, understanding one another as individuals, as human beings, um, and then understanding perhaps some of our collective interests and needs as well, um, and finding a way to amass every single one of those in, in a presentation that results in a product or service that is encompassing. And again, I should say, you, you cannot always meet everybody's needs. And most companies shouldn't desire to do so in most of their products or services. But I do believe that when a company does something really well, and again, Apple is a great example of this, as is a company like Nike. And of course, those are certain uh, product offerings, of course, consumer products. But um, they produce goods that feel sort of universally applicable. And that's interesting. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to see yeah. how they've been able to attend to such a broad set of interests and needs. Right. They, they, they've essentially created products, like you're saying, that are that are very, very broad in, in their kind of, you know, uh, range of, 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 of uh, how much they appeal to uh, people. You know, they, yeah. you know, everyone wants an iPhone, you know, um, and everyone wants a pair of Nike sneakers. And, you know, where, whereas we were talking before about how, um, you know, it's not, it's, it's not always in a company's best interest to be everything to everyone. Um, you know, there are certain, obviously, ex exemptions to that rule where you've created products uh, that are just widely regarded, uh, highly regarded and well, you know, well, well liked and just wanted by, by the masses. Um, yeah. So, but, and that, and that, and that, and that's truly, you know, uh, the iPhone brand in and of itself, aside from Apple, you know, aside from the Apple brand, the, just the iPhone branded is, is an incredibly powerful brand. Um, it, you know, in its own right. But I would love, you know, uh, since, since we've talked a lot about that, uh, about, you know, branding and, and connecting it to humans and, and, and being authentic and, and everything that kind of goes into a well executed, uh, kind of branding campaign, marketing campaign, if you will. Um, you know, but I would love to talk since clearly you're an entrepreneur as well as, as, a, as am I about how you've gone about so far in the past three years that you've been running Westward Creative, how you've gone, gone, gone about um, building the business a bit. And when you when you go into a room or get on a call with a client, potential client or uh, or and you're pitching them, what, what does that strategy look like for you? How do you go about, um, you know, getting them to want to sign on the dotted line to sign up and be a, a client of yours? Yeah. So I am very fortunate to be at a point in my career now where all of my clients are through referrals. And um, for the most part, I am referred by people I know and trust and who know and believe in my approach to brand development and marketing. So anytime that connection is made, it usually comes with an introduction that is beautifully personalized and mm -hmm. also 
also attendant to the sweet spot of my business. Um, so most of my clients are in, in the world of technology and I love um, developing brands and maintaining um, a public present for uh, technology focused organizations. Um, so that comes with ease and then really uh, there's just that first call where I'll speak with somebody or the first meeting if we have the opportunity to sit down. Um, my, notably, my clients are predominantly U.S.-based at this point, but definitely uh, spread out across the nation. So I don't always have the opportunity to sit face-to-face -face with somebody, but um, those first uh, communications are incredibly important. And in that in that communication, my primary interest is simply better understanding the person, the person before me, whether that's an individual or a voice. Or um, I want to know what it is that drove them to produce the product or service at hand, and what their desire is for the company. Um, notably, I have had calls where, at the close, I realize I have no desire to partner with the entity to produce a brand or help them maintain a public presence. Um, but fortunately, again, because so much of my business at this point is based in referrals, um, it usually attends to things that are personally and professionally delightful. And that's, that's really wonderful. I'm incredibly right. grateful you're to, at, you're to at be the there. Point where, <clears throat> I was going to say you're at the point where you're lucky enough um, to be able to kind of pick your clientele um, to a certain, I would, I, I, from what I understand, to a certain degree, um, Absolutely. where you know you can pick and choose who you want to uh, ev eventually end up working with. Um, it seems, which is which is and, a great kind of position to be. And I think people can reach that position um, even at the start of their careers. Somebody just starting out by focusing on relationships, building relationships, simply taking that the effort and time to understand the people with whom you work. It's very important. And I, um, I'm actually not speaking to like the post workday happy hour. That's not what I'm talking <laughs> about. I, I'm actually talking about identifying the, the parts of a person's day that inspire delight for them every day. We all have something. I wanna know the thing that excites somebody about their work. Is it, you know, the, the technology at hand? Is it the feeling they get when they log the code? Is it the idea of participating in something that will ultimately garner a US patent? What is it that drives them? Everybody has something. Is it the relationships? Because there are so many people, beautifully, who thrive in knowing that their efforts assist other people. I see this across industries. Individuals who, of course, there is the, like, the engineering practice at hand, but it's clear the thing that really drives them is the interpersonal interaction and knowing that their contribution to a product inspires joy for somebody else or inspires a sense of satisfaction for somebody else. I see that a lot. And for me, it's about identifying those 
those details in any organization, in any interaction, and I encourage other people to do that. You can reach a point in your career quickly where you're able to run a business based off of referrals. If you take the effort, make, make the effort to know the people surrounding you. Nice. You heard it here first, guys. I mean, I think that's excellent advice. Having, having uh, kind of followed in similar footsteps in terms of having built a network of people that I knew um, through building relationships with them over the years has allowed me to, to get where I am today. Um, and it's and it's not an overnight thing, you know, it's something that takes time and real effort and work. Uh, for, if you really want it, it's certainly attainable. Um, so I, I totally agree with Alexandra on that. And uh, I think, you know, definitely having a very deep network of people that you've built relationships with over the course of a career or, you know, or just you know, over the course of a couple of years, if you go to the right, attend the right events and, and get in front of the right people. It reminds me of that uh, scene. Have you ever seen Wall Street? The movie? I haven't actually. No, I haven't. Oh, okay. Well, there's a scene, basically, Bud Fox, who's played by Charlie Sheen. Um, uh, every day, he's, he's always calling... Gordon Gecko, his office, and then he and then he has it in his in his calendar. He has Gordon Gecko's birthday, so he brings him a birthday present, and he he's basically become you could tell good friends with the secretary sort of, because um, he she always answers his call. But basically, he was able to get a meeting with Gordon Gecko because he was very persistent over I would guess however long he was been working uh, in the movie, um, and he brought him a, a birthday present. So, so I, I think another key basically is just that persistence is, is very important. Um, you know, things sometimes move slowly, th things sometimes fall apart. Um, but if you're persistent and you kind of work through that, uh, in the end, it, I, I think, you know, you'll, you'll be much happier. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with that advice. I think that was, I think that's really uh, solid and important advice. Um, for anyone listening, not just in marketing, but in just all kind of aspects of life. Uh, I would love to talk to you about a little bit, you know, about the, about the lack of women engineers in the tech space. I know this is something that you're very passionate about. Absolutely. Um, and, and I, I think, you know, I think that, you know, if you look back, if you kind of step back in time there were a number of women in in kind of computer science and engineering space um back in the early i would say 70s and or so and in the 70s uh you know um but that kind of that that's obviously no longer the case the the, the rate of women with engineering degrees is just so much lower in comparison to men these days yeah um i, I would love any thoughts you have in terms of how can we get more women into the into this uh, into the tech space as engineers, as computer science students? Because uh, it's clearly a problem that a lot of people are are hoping that we can solve. And I think you know, women in the space is certainly going going to be more beneficial than not having them in the space. Clearly, it, it's a it's a very uh, big gap in in the amount of in, in between men and women in the space. So. Absolutely. I, um, 
I think there it's obviously a really big issue. And I, I should note, I often hesitate to make a statement because I realize I am simply one woman in a large space and I cannot possibly hope to speak for all women, nor would I ever hope to because there are so many beautifully unique voices out there. I want them to be heard. And that's an important message too. It's very common mm -hmm. to hear people say these days, women need to have a voice. But the reality is women have a voice. We just need somebody to pass us the microphone. I encounter mm -hmm. daily incredible women in, in the world of technology and science that are doing amazing things. And yet we're not seeing attention to many of those things um, as we should be. And so I think one just sort of easy opportunity, let's call it the low hanging fruit, is taking opportunities to acknowledge and promote women doing amazing things in engineering and, and um, specifically engineering in, in technology and science. There are so many women in um, STEM fields that every single day accomplish something that is, is worthy of recognition. Um, one of my dear friends, Anne-Marie Thomas, helps lead the engineering department at the University of St. Thomas. And in the last several years, Anne-Marie, alongside a team of dedicated students, has created what's called the Playful Learning Lab. And part of Anne-Marie's focus in creating this lab is better understanding how to make technology and science subjects applicable to all students. So taking advantage of what we learn from, for example, from um, common core curricula, where academic environments have started acknowledging very openly that students learn in different ways. So st some students learn visually, and some students must have something tangible before them with which they can interact. Some students can read or listen to content and take it in and process and ultimately hold on to that content in a way that amounts to effective learning. But again, Anne-Marie's work is trying to acknowledge how do we reshape these fields so that they are broadly applicable. And in a way, this speaks to our earlier discussion on branding. It's not how do other people attend to my brand, but how does my brand shift and change to attend to the interests and needs of more people? And that's what we need to do in academia is identify the opportunities to present information so that it is broadly applicable, that different people can access it in different ways. And um, I think that when we can start addressing science and technology fields in that way, in a way that expands them so that they those subjects can be learned in new, interesting, unique ways, that's when we'll start to see a broader shift. And then, of course, um, a nod to an organization like Veritas Technologies, where they are inspiring women at their company to um, take advantage of company-provided resources to the betterment and promotion of women in, like, it's Women at Veritas Empowered Group. Um, inspiring female-focused conversations and partaking in International Women's Day 
these are like easy opportunities and some organizations like Veritas are doing a really beautiful job of um, passing the microphone, of passing the microphone to their female colleagues and saying, here, we have a voice as an organization. Now we want you to be the voice of our organization. And if we're going to start seeing more women feel comfortable in these fields, we're going to need to start seeing more women have a voice in these fields. So again, it's not a matter of women having a voice, I should clarify. It's a matter of providing them a platform from which they can speak. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that was beautifully said. I 100% I, I agree with that. I think one of the questions, I guess, on a follow-up to that, do you, do you think that going back to the branding initiatives we were talking about before, um, you know, and, 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 and giving women a microphone and a platform to to utilize at these at companies like SpaceX and Google and, you know, and so on. Uh, if, if yeah, do you think that if, if they were to spend more time on, uh, on, on, you know, being authentic um, and and, and, and really getting, um, you know, women at the company uh, more in view, getting them promoted, but also just making uh, what they were working on you know, uh, acknowledging the things that they've, that they've done and, and, and being, you know, obviously huge contributors to each of their teams. Um, would, you know, would that, would that also be a kind of a, a step in the right direction? Absolutely. And, and I should note, I think, um, companies like Google, for example, are, they have broad cross organizational inclusion campaigns and diversity is a topic that is top of mind at Google always. They have entire mm -hmm. HR groups dedicated to inspiring those conversations among employees. Um, I can comfortably assert I've seen the same at, at Microsoft and, and Amazon. Many of these companies are acknowledging and creating opportunities to improve the voice of minority groups at their organizations. Sadly, we right. still see a massive pay discrepancy in the reporting yes, that's salaries. Yes, that's another issue. <laughs> it is. And, and so it's interesting because at a lot of these um, larger companies, that remains an issue. And it's something beautifully that kind of, I have to say, is a benefit of social channels, social platforms. The fact mm -hmm. that we now have the ability to sort of make this information broadly available is a really beautiful thing. And I am hopeful that as we start collectively seeing clarity on these details, on these salary discrepancies, on the opportunities, and seeing, indis uh, seeing organizations like Veritas leading, leading the charge in providing a platform for female voices, I think we will start to see a positive change. We are seeing a positive change. It's just resilience. We have to be resilient and continue moving forward and continue making the effort. It's not, you know, one, one event. It's not one talk at a conference. It's, it's continued forward drive. And so we're going to, need to be resilient. Exactly. 
So we're going to need, Jeff, we're going to need to hire a bunch of people who got really good grades in college. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking to our first point, if we're going to capture that resilience and use that resilience to bolster the voice of women across technology and science fields, we're going to need to, you know, we're probably going to need to collectively employ a bunch of people who got really good grades in college. I think that's where this whole conversation nets. (laughs) Uh, agreed. I, you know, I think I think you're right. And 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 just I never understood the, the the pay the the pay gap discrepancy. I just don't understand why you would pay one person more than another if they're doing the exact same job. It just never made any sense to me. It's something that I would ever do. Um, but that's me. Uh, I think it is something that needs to be fixed, resolved. Um, and I I do think that continuing to speak up against that. And continuing to tell the stories of successful women in this space uh, will certainly help inspire other women to to get in the space, and then hopefully inspire other people in the position of power who can do something about the pay gap um, to do something. Or at the very least, when when those people leave and new people step in, that they do something about it. Um, but I think that's why persistence and, and uh, is, is, is is super important. And being resilient, like you said, is also critical. Absolutely. Um, so I, 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 I think that was a deep conversation. I, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. I'm glad, and I'm glad you say that because sadly, I have to step off our call and and join a client in a conference call now. Okay. Well, I appreciate. <laughs> look, Alexandra, I appreciate you you being on the podcast. It was it was wonderful. I hope that you have a great rest of your day. And if any, if anyone wants to find you online, where, 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 where can they find you? They can find me at westwardcreative.com. And there is actually a contact form. Uh, as Jeff has noted, you can select smoke <laughs> sn- signals or carrier pigeon as uh, one of which your Which I highly options. recommend you do. Yeah, which one of your <laughs> options for communication. Um, and I'll see what I can do. If you do so, but um, please, I, I encourage anyone to reach out to me, um, even if you simply have a question or seek an alternative perspective on a project upon which you're working. I'm happy to offer insight. Great. Well, I'm, I'm disappointed we didn't get a chance to do the lightning round, but work obviously is important. So thanks again <laughs> for joining us. Thank you, Jeff. I hope you have a lovely day. Thanks for listening to Techie Bites. Stay tuned for more episodes every Tuesday with awesome interviews and conversations about technology and business. If you like what we're doing, please consider supporting the podcast at anchor.fm slash besttechie and or by leaving a rating interview on iTunes. Both ways help us greatly and are much appreciated. So thank you. Until next time, we'll see you. And remember, remember, take care of your computers.